Welcome to the Gate Crashers Podcast, where we storm the gates of publishing and dare to talk about the realities of the industry. I'm your Ivory Tower representative, Amanda Levy, literary agent and vice president at McGregor and Levy. I'm your self-publishing insider, Clarice Crow, novelist and speaker. Throughout the pandemic last year, we offered up a handful of episodes talking about yeah. how COVID-19 was affecting book publishing. And it's been a while since we last checked in. I think it we has. all checked out. I think out it was for- in fall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think we all kind of like mentally, uh, I mean, things have been I rough, mean, everybody right? was exhausted from it. It was just, I don't, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to see it. I don't want right. to hear it. Just fun to be done. So yeah, so Carice and I, we thought it would be good to revisit the topic, especially since so much time has passed. We're coming up now on a year of the pandemic. And we're we're really in a different stage now than we were when we did our last update, which Mm -hmm. is really exciting, I think. Per usual, I'll be talking about traditional publishing side and Carice will be talking about self-publishing side. So starting with the traditional side of things, the way that we do business has really changed and is not going back to the old way anytime soon. That's something I was really curious about, especially with the bigger publishers, the bigger imprints. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So pretty much everyone, not everyone, I shouldn't say that. A lot of people, especially anyone with New York offices, they're all still working from home and they're going to be working from home indefinitely. And there are rumors of publishing houses maybe closing down their expensive Manhattan offices and in favor of something that's scaled down, um, more budget friendly, and then keeping a lot of staff at home. Of course, I mean, that's just rumor. There's no nothing set in stone. Yeah. Lots of people working from home. Um, Lots of zoom calls still happening, though not as many as there were before. Thank goodness. I think everyone got zoom tired. I read an article over the summer that covered, you know, the way the pandemic was affecting cities like New York city. And what was happening was because so many people were able to work from home, they weren't even staying in the city during the pandemic, which Mm -hmm. made a lot of sense because they did have a lot of hospitals that were completely overwhelmed. And so people went back to their hometowns and found out that rent in their hometowns is only a quarter of what it is in New York (laughs) City. And so there's, there's this big concern of, will NYC residents actually return to New York City? And I was certain with book publishing a lot of what gets done on the traditional end like that can be done just on a computer and over a phone call or a video call yeah like I've been doing for the past 10 years I've been doing business from Indiana from Indiana right so and that's probably going to be the way it goes I mean if you want to work for these houses you know but I've always said well I can't because I can't move New York City good news Right. In the very near future, if not now, if they're looking for people, that may not matter at all to them. Right. A huge change that is an awesome change is that this has really pushed tech adoption, especially technology like DocuSign. So historically, book contract deals, they would take forever because we would physically mail these pieces of paper across the country back and forth a couple times as everyone signed, right? And it right. was a pain in the butt, let me tell you. Now, 
bada boom, you got your DocuSign, word signed, and the, the deal is done within like two days or whatever, How, however long it takes to get the president of the company to, to sign the document. Right. So, Although I do have to say, you know, like checking a box or fill in e-signature, <laughs> like does not feel as satisfying and definitely doesn't make for as good of an Instagram post. So if you're worried about your Instagram feed, just make something up. Yeah. Sign something that's fake. I promise you, nobody will actually. Print, print off the PDF and stage a signing. I've seen that happen a couple of times on social media. Those are changes to how business is done. But in terms of business itself, I would say that deals are harder to come by. They are fewer and far between. Mm. Um, fewer and further between, I guess is the saying. Um because I just feel like there have been projects that I've had that I've shopped that I was sure would have gotten a deal right. pre-pandemic and even had loose offers on the table and then the pandemic hit and then the deals, no, we're not going to do that anymore. Or I found publishers to become really firm on things like, no, no memoir, no narrative nonfiction. Like they don't want to see any of it. So that is definitely different. Also what's been happening with bookstores like brick and mortar retail, I think a prediction and my colleague Chip and I talk about this where it may not seem right now that, well, depending on where you live, it may not seem right now that the economy has been affected that much, but six more months down the line, 12 more months down the line, that's when we're going to start to see more closures more companies going out of business, right. stores going out, out of business because they can float it for a while, but eventually right. it's going to, it's going to catch up to them. And if they don't get that, that boost, that surge that they need, then it's just, you know, these stores that are just dangling by a thread aren't going to make it. So be prepared right. for your favorite bookstore to really, really need you to shop there even after the pandemic lifts or as we yeah. get more vaccinations out, because they still are going to be really behind. And to your point about traditional deals being harder to come by, that makes a lot of sense because I remember at the start of this, there was a fair amount of projects that were just put on hold, mm-hmm. you know, and well, this was supposed to launch in June or July and now it didn't. So I'm sure that there is, you know, some sort of backlog of books that the publisher maybe already committed to or knows that, okay, but we definitely still want to publish this one. We just had to push it back. And the time that has passed has passed. Yeah. You know, the books that didn't get published didn't get published. They just had fewer out. It doesn't make sense to me that they would, you know, try to increase the number of books that they do every year to make up for it. Like that doesn't, right. that doesn't mm-hmm. make sense because your reader probably hasn't drastically changed how much they really read, you know, maybe a little bit, but not enough that the publishing house would gamble. Yeah. With that. I mean, some genres have seen spikes in sales, but that doesn't necessarily mean we need to flood it with more options. Exactly. Right. And book launches have been so hard this year. So mm-hmm. hard. I mean, no one can do in-person appearances, signings, if you're a speaker, good luck. You can kiss your, you know, your great sales record goodbye because you can't mm-hmm. get in front of your audience as easily. Yeah. Um, so it's just been really, really a really tough year. So what could the future look like? 
Um, I looked, I was doing some research on this and I found a Publishers Weekly article that suggested when the pandemic hit, things like um, television streaming services like Netflix, Mm -hmm. um, gaming streaming services, they all did really well. Maybe there's room for a publisher streaming, not not a streaming, but like some kind of subscription service. I know that there have been some some smaller publishers that have tried that in the past, and it's really been hard to work. Um, Mm -hmm. Harlequin did a good job of it a a number of years ago. So I don't know if that's the solution, but I do think it's worth noting that thinking outside the box as to how we get books in front of readers or in readers' hands um, might be something that book publishers are going to be doing as they try to anticipate, well, what if this happens again? So the last thing I want to bring up um, about the traditional side of publishing and and COVID is that emotions are really high. And I think we've seen that affect the book business in good ways, in bad ways, and in unknown like in in ways that we don't know the the outcome of it um good ways is a push for more diversity more equality more transparency um from publishers and from the books that that they do and that's a good thing right um we're also though seeing people voice their frustration with publishers who publish projects from writers that um, maybe fall on a certain side of the political spectrum or have right. certain views. And there's there have been calls for censorship. There have been calls for um, taking books down that, you know, some employees disagree with. So I so that is just something that has been really present this whole year, just just the emotional side of this and how it's causing people in the business um, to speak up and in a sense, try to reshape the business um, for better or worse. I mean, that, Mm -hmm. that all remains to be seen. And an an example of this is a literary agent who made the news because she was fired because she had a parlor account. She wasn't hiding the fact that she was on parlor. Right. um, But she got fired because she was on parlor. She had an account. Mm -hmm. Um, I hadn't heard about this one. Was she fired just for the existence of the account or was she fired for the material that she was publishing with that account? For the existence of the account. Whoa. Yeah. And that was pretty, pretty blatant, like boldly stated in her employer's right note about why they released her. Um, right. I guess Twitter found out, which she hadn't been hiding the fact that she was on parlor. She was, she was, you know, yeah, she. I guess she's um, former military, and so that happens to be a place where a lot of military people hang out anyway. Yeah. Yep. Uh, she her agency fired her, and yeah, they said it's because she has a. So, this yeah. again, emotions are high, and it's <laughs> it's just interesting to see. Right. Um, it's interesting to see where things will land. I mean, I have definitely rage deleted more than one person from my Facebook account. Everybody's just tense still. So what about the self-publishing side? So on the self-publishing side, um, you know, in some ways kind of nothing has changed and in other ways, like a fair amount has. I mean, if you are self-publishing, you're already doing that at home, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's really no change there. 
Um, and really no, no big change to the basics of self-publishing. Um, what we are seeing is a lot of the consequences of the earlier pandemic months where people decided to buckle down and get better at their craft or wondering. Um, finish their books. Yes. If there's so, a flood, a flood of content. There is, well, there's, there's some flood of content right now. The biggest thing I'm seeing is that self-published authors are having a difficult time getting booked with quality editors and quality um, cover designers. Hmm. A friend of mine who is a self-published author is still looking for a very good quality cover designer. Um, the three people that they have used before that they're happy with are all too busy, either with traditional um, traditional covers or self-published covers. Uh, so it's just been a lot has been put on them. Although I, hopefully if you are in that world, if that is part of your income, um, freelancing, either covers or editing or anything to help people get their content published. I hope that you are incredibly busy with your schedule. And if you still got some time left, then bump up those rates because mm. people might be willing to pay more right now, Yeah, which leads me into there are people who are bumping up their rates. And one of the ways that that's um, being done is by a lot of the folks who offer courses to improve your craft, improve your marketing, um, improving how you run your self-publishing business. Those costs are going up. And you could say it's, it's either because there are either more people writing or more people who are taking their writing seriously. But I think uh, another part of that could also be the lack of writers' conferences. And so a lot of serious authors, they budget annually for one, two, maybe three conferences that they know they want to go to. And that money is, well, mm. still sitting there because the writers' conferences got canceled or were offered online and then were cheaper. Mm -hmm. And, you know, conventions and conferences are returning um, but with pretty unpredictable attendance rates, um, I wouldn't be surprised to see moderate price drops um, as a way to physically pull people back to a con yeah. because it is super common that a lot of these popular um, writing conventions are doing kind of like what my kids' school is doing. They're doing a hybrid model yeah. of you can go in person or if you're not comfortable with that, then we are going to offer the courses online. Hopefully that conference is offering those online courses for a smaller fee since you won't be taking up a hotel room or eating any of the food in the lunch hall. Um, but yeah, I would expect a bit of a lower price maybe for this season, maybe for next season for writers' conferences. As far as conventions go, uh, I haven't heard anything about the really big ones, you know, Comic-Con, Dragon-Con, those kind of places. Um, the board game one, which just attracts geeks mm -hmm. of all kinds and flavors. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if the really big ones are not open yet this summer, but for your local area, it's really going to depend on your local laws and your local convention directors, which I think could be a really big help for people who are launching their books. Um, if these conventions that are smaller are still being carried on, that can be a great way to make read meet readers 
and you don't have to write in the science fiction fantasy genre um, to attend one of these things, even if it is something like a comic book convention, because the people who attend that come from all walks of life. Uh, I hear all the time at those kind of things. Sorry, I only read romance. I'm just mm-hmm. here with my husband. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. There's going to be a very limited amount of material for that reader. So yeah. that could still be worth your time. And um, one of my absolute favorite events in the world to do if they are up and running is anything like a craft fair or a make it at home fair. Um, you can get a table for those. They're usually not too expensive. And your main demographic of people walking by your table is going to be female aged probably about 30 to 75. They usually mm-hmm. have either friends with them or their children with them. Um, occasionally a husband who looks super, super bored. Those kinds of things um, can be really great for authors because it's not something that immediately comes to mind as, well, I made this. Well, but you wrote it, you know? And a lot of times that's that's how we've gotten in is people have said, well, you're authors. It's, it's a crafting convention. Yeah, but we wrote the books. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, that makes, yeah, you did make it. Okay. Yeah. And those have gone really, really well for us. Yeah. Um, Cause we, we stand out there. The last one we were at, there was a bookstore, but it was all children's books, like children's color books. Um, and so, yeah, we, we stood out. We did really well. Um, you mentioned spouses and the game, the board mm-hmm. game convention, Gen Con. Yeah. Um, I just watched a documentary on that. Well, <laughs> was my on hus- my <laughs> that's hilarious. Cause my husband goes goes there every year he works in the business you know but he he used to go there even before he worked in the business and first of all they have a spouse track so if your spouse comes with you there is something for spouses to do that's delightfully inclusive it is it it is and if you write romance yeah there's like spouses who are there doing their own thing and they might come across your table and want to buy from you but also my husband would come home every year and he would bring me something like look look what i found at one of the booths look look what i bought for you and right and so it just goes to show like just because your audience maybe isn't the exact perfect target market for the con that doesn't mean you're not going to get some business because when people are there and when they're ready to spend money they're going to spend money and they're going to find a reason to buy your stuff if they think it looks cool and if they think that they could you know make their spouse happy by buying it for them or whatever and lastly i wanted to share from the self-publishing side of things i think this is probably just going to depend on your average readership because for self-pub sales have been a real mixed bag I mean, some people are seeing their numbers shoot up. Some people are seeing their numbers just plummet and lots of people are just staying right where they were. So, I mean, my best guess, the the thing that makes the most sense to me is if your readership tends to have jobs that allows them to work from home or can now work shorter hours, um, then your readership might've increased. If your readership is primarily people who are now tasked with um, online school for the kids or whose lives have changed dramatically, like let's say healthcare workers who've had to up their hours in order to accommodate what's going on. I mean, then your readership might be dropping. So it really just depends. There you have it. Ways that COVID has changed book publishing, um, things that we 
think you might want to anticipate for the future. And the good news is we're all still here. We're all still doing books, writing books, reading books, publishing yep. books. Um, and that is not going to change. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Gate Crashers podcast. If you found value in this episode or in any of the episodes we've done, you can drop a tip in our tip jar. You can send a tip via PayPal. Simply use our link, paypal.me slash gatecrashers, or log into PayPal and search us using our username, which is at gatecrashers. And be sure to be here next week for a brand new episode. Hold on, Hilo's going to take a drink.